Hi guys, I'm Tasha Bishop and you're listening to the Body Language Podcast. I was born with a condition called Maya Rokitansky Kusterhauser Syndrome, which basically means I was born without a womb or internal vagina. Oops, two minutes in and I've already said the V word. It took me a long time to process my diagnosis and for so many years I felt like the odd one out. How do I exist as a woman in a world that deems my sexless, infertile body as useless? So three years ago, I started a non-profit called The Pants Project, a feminist initiative using underwear as a symbol of strength and a catalyst for conversations about bodies. Launching The Pants Project made me realize something pretty revolutionary. We're all odd ones out. None of us fit the mold. So instead of changing ourselves, we're gonna change the conversation. This weekly podcast comes from a personal place, bringing you a filter-free, intimate insight into all kinds of bodies that make up this world. The way we talk about them, hide them, and ultimately how we come to value our imperfections in a society set on perfection. Bodies are more than the labels that categorize them. They are vessels for the stories we write on our journey through life. Welcome to Body Language, the podcast. Is holiday porn a thing? I do seem to spend most of my life scrolling through dreamy holiday destinations from our sponsors over at onthebeach.co.uk. I'm so happy to sponsor with these guys, particularly as they've been speaking out about the body struggles that so many of us deal with as part of their latest hashtag this bikini can campaign. According to their research, body confidence issues appear to be the most significant amongst young adults and with the highest rates in 18 to 24 year olds, closely followed by 25 to 34 year olds. Actually, a crazy 23% of people said that self-consciousness around wearing swimwear in public can actually stop them from getting in the water on holiday. Whilst I definitely do relate to that feeling, it makes me really sad that we miss out on all the best holiday moments because of low body confidence. So it means a lot that we get the opportunity to try and change this conversation with the Body Language podcast. I genuinely couldn't have launched this without On The Beach's support, so a massive thank you to our wish-granting holiday fairies. Check them out by heading over to onthebeach.co.uk forward slash body language for more details. So today's guest on the Body Language podcast is a remarkable man sometimes referred to as a seahorse. Having worked at The Guardian for over six years, Freddie McConnell is now a freelance journalist. He is a writing, podcasting, parenting trans man who in 2016 decided to begin the process of conceiving and delivering his own child. For over a year, filmmaker Jeannie Finley and her team followed Freddie on his remarkable journey to fatherhood and created a masterpiece documentary called Seahorse, The Dad Who Gave Birth about his seemingly unique journey that is surprisingly relatable, heart-wrenchingly moving, incredibly brave and quietly heroic. Freddie, welcome to the Body Language podcast. Wow. <laughs> Quite the intro. Thank you. <laughs> you definitely live up to it. So. <laughs> we always start the podcast with what I like to call body posy pop quiz so you basically have to answer like as quickly as possible okay. try not to think too much about it anything okay. spontaneous if you want to say like is like my, my thing so feel free to do everything you. we can cut the silent time out okay, <laughs> but yeah feel free to say like lucky charms if you have like a brain mm-hmm. fart or something so <laughs> finish the sentence my relationship with my body is um a work in progress that's been like the main answer to question really? one. I find it really interesting everyone has said that, which I think is a good thing. I mean, that's just, that's like standard human really, isn't existence, right? Yeah. yeah. If you could say one thing to your younger self, what would it be? Um, uh, just like, you're okay and you will be okay. 
so yeah like keep going yeah <laughs> just or just like yeah just relax you're mm. you're okay yeah i would agree i think i feel the same <laughs> what does self care look like to you um I mean, that is like a foreign concept as the dad of a almost two-year-old, but... I was going to say, I'd probably like, excuse me, I do not have that self-care. <laughs> uh, no. I, I, uh, okay, so I guess I... It's either, like, giving myself permission to not do anything mm. and, like, just stay in and sit on the sofa and, you know, try to catch up on a, a TV show that yeah. I have not watched in six months or something. Um, <laughs> or it's, like not doing that and taking an invitation to go out so because i feel like often there's this sort of you know give yourself permission to not do the thing but then Mm. actually sometimes for me self-care is definitely forcing myself to do the thing that i think i don't want to do in the moment but especially with um yeah being a single dad it's like you just have to like nudge yourself out the door and Mm. then that's so interesting that's always been something that i've thought in my head and never said out loud that's (laughs) how i i find university really difficult and most of the time I would sit in my room and like cry at the ceiling. Mm. <laughs> and then on my last year I met friends and they were like, no, you're like going to go out. Trust me, it's going to be good for you. And I did. And I, and it always made me feel better. Like even if it's just yeah. for a walk or something, like I think sometimes not giving in and just like watching shit TV is a good thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. But then sometimes, sometimes you need to do you it. Need to well. do it. Mm. So yeah, that's I guess part of the work is in fine, progress. Self-care thing. is finding the balance. Yes. Very difficult balance to find. <laughs> what is the most ridiculous myth or lie you've heard in relation to men's bodies? Oh, God. Well, just that we don't have all the same hang-ups that women do uh, or that everyone does. I think, yeah, if anything, if, like, being trans has taught me anything, it's that, like, so many things that we gender don't need to be gendered. Mm. And if we just talked about things more as... um people Mm. you'd get to answers a lot quicker when do you feel you're most confident (laughs) i thought i'd written content but no content (laughs) content as well i guess content or confident i mean i feel very at peace when i'm with my son Mm. sort of looking after him and having to be strong for him maybe like in a moment of where he's upset or something Mm. I think when I can just forget about myself and be present for him I feel confident because I'm not in my own head I'm just yeah I'm just being there for him doing something I feel like I'm good at what does the term hashtag body goals look like to you Uh, (laughs) is that a thing like, it was, it's an ironic question. People are always like, wait, you're asking that question on this podcast. I'm like, yeah, because we hate the, the, like, the hashtag. It's ridiculous. Uh, okay. But yeah, it's a thing, sadly. Uh, not being achy. Like, <laughs> yeah, picking I up a heavy that. toddler. <laughs> yeah. Most people are like, I mean, exactly the way that I look right now. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what is your biggest strength? Um, I think this is slightly inspired by drawings of dogs. I love him. Yeah, so I was just hoping I was getting <laughs> that right. Person. That is the name, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, who has a badge that says something like "You have a superpower," and it's empathy. I think empathy oh. is um, something I'm quite good at. Yeah. Because I think if you're part of a sort of minority or marginalised group, then you just mm. have to be. You have to learn to be. Mm. But it is like a great skill to have. Mm. It's amazing because I think people who are oppressed and are of minorities are simultaneously this amazing mixture of like 
resilience and empathy whereas like I think about resilience I think about like a rock and then when mm. I think about empathy I think about like a squidgy something <laughs> and you're yeah. just like an amazing amalgamation of the two yeah um, <laughs> very tired <laughs> amalgamation maybe <laughs> who is your body positive hero and why it's okay to say yourself but oh definitely not gonna say myself um <laughs> Someone that comes to mind is um, a trans man called Aiden Dowling, mm. who is in the States and his Instagram is like a lion's fear, I think. He speaks amazingly about body positivity and body acceptance mm. from the perspective of like quite a masculine trans man. Some of the stuff he said has been really inspiring to me of like, yeah, just being so comfortable in his own skin and, and, and who he is and the fact that like his queerness and his transness are often erased because of how he looks and, and comes across, but but also like really owning his transness and queerness and uh, also his lived experience in the lesbian community and that, like that's not something that I've had, but mm. I'm just like, wow, you are brave and amazing mm. and um, yeah. He sounds really, what's he called again? His name is Aiden Dowling. Aiden Dowling. Okay, I'm mm. going to go follow him immediately. <laughs> he sounds amazing. <laughs> What story does your body tell? Wow. <laughs> oh, well, you know. <laughs> a long one. <laughs> yeah, a long one and a complicated one. Um, but, like, ultimately, I don't know, like, A for effort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and just because I'm a power pants underwear addict, mm-hmm. do you have a favourite pair of pants? I guess, yeah. Like, I think you have, like, yeah, have do you have like a lucky pair of pants? Uh, I have a lucky, lucky pair of socks. I'm actually oh, wearing see your at socks. the moment. Yeah, <laughs> which are really you said they struggling. Have really whole, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to learn how to darn socks. They're great though. Like they're pink and oh my god, they're so cool. They're really they're really, like the right length. Um, I can I think confirm my mom gave them to socks. me. Yeah, and they go well with everything. Um, <laughs> so so there's that. I mean, yeah, I've got like really comfy pair of boxers that have sushi on them. I'm a fan of like Dope. a sort of graphic, graphic design. Pant. Yeah, pants, socks. I'm trying to wean myself off graphic tees because I'm a grown-up. So, um, yeah, my sushi boxes. Why not? Okay, cool. <laughs> so I watched the film when it was first aired on the BBC. For anyone that hasn't seen it, can you tell us a bit about the documentary, who made it and like what your kind of core purpose was in, in terms mm-hmm. of making it? We, we started filming in the summer of 2016, just before I stopped taking testosterone shots, which I'd been on for about four or five years before that and then the camera genie Finley the filmmaker follows me through the next like year or so of or six months of, of trying to conceive and mm. then of being pregnant and then ultimately having my son and yeah that that's kind of it it's, it's the story of me trying to start my family as opposed to the story of me like being a dad yeah there was quite a sort of neat timeline and end point which we always had in mind that was always mm. the goal obviously we, when we started we didn't know whether i would be, get pregnant or you know you just never know with these things so yeah. it was kind of a leap of faith for everyone yeah i'd always knew, known ever since i was a kid that i'd want to be a parent one day i never really thought about how or when or with who or anything like that i just had a sort of image of myself with a bunch of kids and mm. like kind of running around in the woods somewhere getting all muddy um <laughs> it's really weird but like that was always in my mind and yeah so then when i started to transition, I was told by a doctor, several doctors actually, that transition would make me infertile. So I had to decide before transitioning whether I wanted to freeze my eggs or or sort of make peace with the idea that I would have kids another way through adoption or, or fostering or something like that, which I was very open to. You know, you get told you can only transition if you sign a piece of paper saying that you agree that you, it will make you infertile. Like, 
Is that that's literally yeah, part yeah. of the... you have to sign a consent form before it, and part of that is is um, acknowledging that it will make you infertile. And you know, I should point out that while you're taking testosterone, the uh, understanding is that it's sort of it's like a temporary. It puts a pause on your fertility. Mm. Some trans men still ovulate, mm. but it's, it's really complicated, and not enough yeah. research has been done. Basically, so yeah, yeah. it's not true to say. I don't want to sit here and say that um, testosterone is like birth control because it definitely isn't. Because some trans men do get pregnant while yeah. they're on testosterone. You know, so yeah, I, I just feel like our healthcare providers are not yeah. giving us accurate and up to date information. Yeah. So. <laughs> I went through many years of unlearning that and then like coming to decide like that I actually wanted to try to start my family mm. in that way because it felt like the simplest and safest option and one that I had the most control over and that if it was hard at least I could sort of deal with it myself and mm. not have to be subjected to other systems like adoption or, or you know other other things like that which can be equally difficult and traumatic as an LGBT person. Yeah, yeah. I knew I always did want to try to share my story but in my own time and also on my own terms so I didn't want to become a story quote unquote while I was pregnant and it was we would be like pregnant man all across the tabloid front mm. pages as had been done to other trans men in a in like really horrible ways yeah um, I was so going to talk why. when I like so in a different way but like mm-hmm. I so know how you feel about the like sensationalizing headlines like whenever journalists write about me it's always girl born without v- vagina which mm-hmm. is like firstly not even anatomically correct mm-hmm. and secondly just like so like this story is like Im- important just as like any other story and oh yeah drives me insane but yeah carry on. and you know I, I as a journalist i could see that they someone might say well you know you need an eye-catching yeah, headline and I get in order to why. get them in just... but i just i don't actually buy that anymore i think mm. people are more intelligent than yeah, like the I, media gives some credit for. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, as we showed with, you know, our, the title of the film is Seahorse First, which is a label that is used within the community. So mm. like, that's really positive And I'm really glad that we were able to use that. And then the dad who gave birth, it's just, it's just subtly different and it's slightly mm. more humane. It's less sensationalized, but it gives you all the information you need. Mm. And that was that discussion of like what should the title be mm. is like a really good example of how you can work collaboratively and end up with still like a really good quote unquote piece of content at the end yeah. of it that, um, <laughs> that doesn't alienate people or like yeah and doesn't like sell out your contributor mm. yeah. one of the scenes in the film that particularly caught my attention was you taking the time to correct the language on your like birthing information pack mm. so for anyone who hasn't seen it you change you like literally cross out mother and rewrite father and you Mm. cross out maternity and write paternity and so on and I wonder is like taking control of language um, and pronouns that describe you like important to you defining your gender all the way through the process of coming off testosterone trying to conceive being pregnant the hard thing wasn't that I felt differently about myself or that I lost my sense of self or it was that the world didn't see me anymore like and i and i wasn't reflected anywhere i mm. i if i could have been recognized for who i was just going through that experience of of being pregnant which lots and lots of trans men have done and do, mm. and, do and will continue to do it would have been so much easier mentally you know you're searching for something because you feel a certain way and you're you know you're googling you know like Dr. Google and everything that comes back is all about women this and mothers that and I get it like I totally understand why that is the way it is but if there could have been 
a resource that was gender neutral or specifically designed for someone like me, it would have just made such a huge difference. And I don't think people would necessarily think, realise that that would be the case. So yes, it's just very strange to mm. be erased in that, yeah, at that time. Do you ever feel like almost your body didn't get to be yours for a bit because it was like you were fighting so hard for it to be like noticed? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. What you're saying is is making me think like often like trans people or LGBT people will get accused of trying to change the whole of society just to suit them. Mm. Um, and so like trans men get accused of getting people to stop using terms like mother or pregnant women, um, which of course that never happens. No, yeah, no trans no man has ever called for that. that. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but because, you know, like we live in a society where generalizations are sometimes useful but mm. then it doesn't mean that when you hear someone say something that does erase you it doesn't hurt a little bit but when you try to restrict everyone in the way you want to describe it for yourself mm. that's not fine that's yeah. all we're talking about here yeah and, yeah and this idea of essential this and you know it's like and it's what mother defines that and mother, and, yeah. yeah like I hate the word natural <laughs> <laughs> absolutely all of that is rooted in misogyny and patriarchy and sexism and all these things and mm. Yeah, it's blo I'm, the reason I feel. I, I'm not trying to like get on my soapbox here. The reason I sound, if I sound fired up about this, it's because like That's I'm actually good. I learning <laughs> about this. I, but I'm just discovering this for myself. I've had like what I would describe as turfs in my DM inbox on Instagram, being like, um, "I think you should reconsider whether or not you're allowed to call yourself a feminist because, like, you might be a like biological woman, but you don't have a womb. So, like, blah blah blah." And I'm like, "Excuse me." I know, like, you have really gone to, like, the depths of extremity to make yourself look like a tit. Just a quick ad break to say that Beach Holiday Specialist on the beach has revealed three pretty important steps to getting beach body ready. Number one, put on your swimwear. Number two, find a beach. Number three, shine bright and feel fabulous. Who would have thought in this day and age that anyone, no matter what they look like, could go to the beach and have a ball? I love that On The Beach are banishing the myth of having to get beach body ready. Since over here on the Body Language podcast, I really believe that all bodies are beautiful. So dig that bikini out, go to onthebeach.co.uk forward slash body language and browse through their thousands of great holiday options suitable for every single body. So there's a really emotional moment in the film um it's like one of my favorite bits when you you just sit in front of the camera it's just you and it's like the middle of the night and you're kind of halfway through your pregnancy i think or in the early stages and you're kind of somewhere in between what the general public would determine male and female because you've stopped taking mm. testosterone and one of the things that you say is that you've been thinking about whether or not it would have been easier to not have been bo be born trans hmm. and so I guess what I was wondering is then and then at the end of the film you're really proud of the fact that you're a trans dad and you like I hate you like own it almost mm, yeah. and you're like a father who carried his own baby and that's the most incredible thing but I just what was it like going through that incredibly like alienating thought process and yeah emotional and physical change like I just can't even wrap my head around what that would feel like uh oh well I guess it is one of those things that's more or less impossible to describe. Yeah, yeah. So, and 
I didn't expect it to be that hard. I didn't expect to find it as emotionally hard as I did. And actually, mm. it's really important. Well, I'm always at pains to try to explain at the very least that it wasn't the pregnancy that was hard. It mm. was not having testosterone in my system. Okay. That was hard. So my experience of transness and my gender dysphoria comes from that, from, you know, feeling that I should be running on a testosterone-based system. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not. Yeah. Like, that yeah. was kind of, that's just how it manifests for me. But that's not how it manifests for every trans person. So if I could have been pregnant and had the correct hormones in my system sort of yeah. making me feel like myself, yeah. which is what they do, um, and I don't know why, I'm not... I, they just do. That's yeah. one of those things <laughs> in such a profound way. Yeah. Um, then, then like I would have struggled a lot less, I think. Yeah. So that's why I slightly not cringe, but like, you know, it's difficult that you're talking about biology and male and female because I sort of just feel like those terms become insufficient at the mm. point at which you start talking about trans people and yeah. uh, intersex people as well, right? Because some people tr- don't medically transition at all. So what yeah. would you say? their bodies are do you know what i mean like yeah i'd never thought about that honestly yeah. <laughs> in all honesty and 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 that's not which is fair enough because this is again like i feel like i'm constantly learning but mm. often people would say you know how does it feel to be doing something that's so female that's so fundamentally female and i'm just like well is it honestly fundamentally female, well yeah. but but for some people it is mm. like going back to what we were talking about before about sort yeah, of thing, yeah, talking about birth as being the fundamentally female thing it's like i understand why we think that that is what that is because of the way society is set up and because you know we didn't necessarily know or hear a lot from trans people before or or really recognize the extent to which like sexism and patriarchy drive our language and and how Mm -hmm. we think about things so i just for the people who feel like pregnancy is a is the ultimate female experience that's that's their thing that's because of who they are Mm -hmm. um and that that is whether they are cis or trans or straight or gay or whatever mm. and for me i never felt like it was a female thing because that's not how i understand myself yeah and i think everyone's experience of the world is as subjective as the next person's yeah yeah, yeah. it's hard to talk about no i feel like i've like <laughs> thought about it in a completely new light now again i'm not speaking on behalf of everyone here this is really important to always bear in mind that I'm mm. I'm just, you know, trying to I'm saying how it feels from my perspective. I never yeah. yeah, I've always felt the way I felt and um I certainly feel like transition has been a lifesaver for me and I know a lot of trans people feel that way and we never we don't feel like our bodies you know hold the key to who we are. Mm. We change them, we transition in order to feel more comfortable in in the world mm. and in our own minds and but I think, you know, I've always been who I am. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a funny one. Mm. A lot of people tried to rationalise when I was like first diagnosed with MRPH, mm. and I was like, I don't know, like, I don't know if I feel female anymore. And I was like, mm. I don't know what to feel. I was like, I don't feel male, but I don't feel like I can identify as female. And like, it was just this huge confusing thing. And like the trans community were like, I really should be writing like a love letter to the trans community. Cause I was so, I found it so comforting. People would like try and rationalize and be like, Oh, but gender is a construct. And I'd be like, it is, but like 
if it was a construct, it wouldn't be so permeating mm. within society. Like, I don't know, it's, well, it's, yeah. it affects so much. of Like, it is a construct, but I feel like it's more powerful than just a, like a... I think people would misunderstand what a construct is, a lot, mm. including me. I'm not, I'm not sort of trying to speak from a place of authority here. I, I think everything is a construct. Like, mm. humans have constructed a mm. way to understand their experience and mm. their lived experience and the world they exist in and... So construct makes it sound as though it's not real or mm. that it can be like dismissed in some way. But like literally everything is a construct mm -hmm. because that's how we understand and like communicate and exist in the world. So yeah. then that then that kind of re-imbues it with some sense of like solidity and it's not something we can just choose or yeah. throw off or like I think um, a, a way I think about it that's helpful is the idea of like so you have gender I, I mean, I think gender, in the way that we often talk about it, is a real thing in the sense that it's something that, like, is useful and uh, that people do experience, whether or not you realise you experience it, because maybe you, like, if you're cis, you've never had to think about it. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean you don't experience your gender, you just have never had to really think about it before. Mm -hmm. What isn't helpful are gender stereotypes, and I think often people conflate gender and gender stereotypes, mm -hmm. and they think that gender means that you is like a set of rules and if you don't uh, obey the rules then you're not being your gender yeah and i think i don't that's not how i understand gender and that's not how lots of people understand gender but to me that sounds like gender stereotypes yeah and um you know i'm not trans because i don't fit the female gender stereotypes mm. that's not what makes me feel the way i feel yeah. I, i'm f yeah. i'm fully aware that there yeah. are butch women and uh you know there's all sorts of things that one can be and and be a woman and be female and not adhere to gender stereotypes like that's not what being trans is um, yeah and there's but yeah <laughs> mm. so that's a, yeah that's so interesting i feel like i'm literally <laughs> learning so much you're like oh my god <laughs> Your mind is amazing. Well, um, no, it's not. I mean, I just, it's not. I, I have to, I have to live in this world. I have to, I, you know, as trans people in the UK at the moment, especially, we face a constant barrage of people trying to uh, undermine us yeah. and exclude us and, you know, make us sound like we are mentally ill in terms of our transness. And so whether you like it or not, you, you have to spend a lot of time thinking about this. And it's yeah. just absolutely exhausting. And I remember when I first... You know, this whole idea of like you cannot be what you cannot see. So I didn't realise that trans men existed before mm. I saw them. And when I first discovered that like this might be an answer to the way I'd been feeling my entire life, I felt like the most intense, pure, uncomplicated euphoria. And I'd never felt anything like it before. And I spent about two weeks in that bubble before I told anyone else about mm. what I'd discovered. And I was so excited about it. And then came <laughs> everything that sort of didn't ruin it but like made it way more complicated mm. all the you know the hate yeah. <laughs> and the the discrimination and then and then increasingly over the last few years the kind of increasing visibility of trans people and the vitriol and, the, and everything that gets spewed at us in the mainstream media yeah and he's the think, violent, oh like my the god like i just thought that i had figured something out and didn't realize i was becoming this thing that like people were going to decide that they hated and like mm. willfully misunderstand so yeah <laughs> that's why i can go mm. on about it because it's just uh yeah it's it's so you said earlier that like medical transitions are like a way of survival for trans people mm -hmm. and at the same time it's a choice it's a it's like a 
So completely opposite choice as well because you're suddenly stepping into a world mm. where survival is quite difficult. Like the suicide rates of like trans people are unbelievably high and mm. the violence that you guys face like on a daily basis is... Yeah, it's weird. I mean, yeah. I guess it's like which... <laughs> I don't know, which which struggle do you choose? <laughs> yeah, and I think it's important to say that I don't face as much of a dilemma as like other people do mm, when it comes yeah. to that like i am read as a cis man like 99 percent of the time mm. it's not really a choice because like you say it is a question of survival mm. and it's like my life is definitely much better now in terms of my own yeah. happiness and contentment and ability to just get on with my life and like do things i want to do and i can you know like not look at twitter and like cut the news out to, as much as i can and mm. it's a real drag the whole like you know, uh, media hostility, but you know, compared to like not having transition, that's that, mm. that's not even a a question. But but at the same time, I realised that like I definitely have now kind of been taken on like privilege as a man, and um, the same cannot be said for non-binary people, trans women, often trans women of colour who face like multiple oppressions. I just yeah, I mean, I then we get into an area where I don't really feel like I can add much of use to the mm. conversation, and you you know that is somewhere where like other people need to step in and talk about what needs to change because yeah, um, I yeah. can't sit here and say that I face the same struggle because I just don't. Yeah. Uh, but I want to try and support and understand more about um, yeah, of course, those problems, yeah. definitely. I kind of want to talk about your, to finish off with, your relationship with your body. It You've gone through this incredible transition in your life and you are now, you know, having a child meant taking yourself off, off testosterone and doing like a 180 and how has your relationship changed with your body now that you're like the other side of that and mm. now you your body has become you are now relied on by another human body mm. you know what I mean yeah it's funny I definitely see despite how hard it was I, I see becoming a dad in the way that I did as um, like I think at the time I felt like I was pausing mm. but now I see it more as a, a continuation like a voluntary unusual continuation and mm. path that I took but like I know that if there are so many other trans men that have done what I've done so that's really helpful to know it sort of helps me place myself in a in a bigger context and understand myself and I now know how strong my body is in ways that I didn't understand before mm. I feel um you know I feel proud and mm. I want to honor the relationship that I have with my child which is unusual but amazing mm. and um i had such a positive experience of birth which i think is really really lucky i don't want to feel like i have to shut up about that because you know it's people aren't used to hearing about it it's mm. just um no talk about it oh my god like <laughs> it was i just got really lucky and um now i I think I see it more without sounding really cheesy. Like, it's my, it's my superpower. It's something that I'm lucky enough to be able to do. And I'm not saying that I am going to, like, rush into doing it again anytime soon, slash ever, probably. But, <laughs> that was um, going to be my last question. Yeah, well, it's always... <laughs> <laughs> Would you do it, it lot, again? Um, but it's... Um, I just really wish... I just hope that, like, younger trans folk uh, come into a world which allows them to explore all their options and mm. be who they are, whatever that means to them. And not just trans folk, actually, but like all young people. <laughs> Enough waffle. Sorry. No, that was an amazing note to finish on. I'm going to start crying. Um, 
Um, we we always do a thing to finish off called Vanity Planet in print, where we basically, with other episodes, we've done like fun like games and stuff about like the way that the that media talks about bodies and all that kind of stuff. What would be your three takeaways for someone who wants to become a trans ally? What three things should they do? Whether it's like someone to follow who's really inspirational, I don't know, something to read, something to watch. I think in the UK context, it's actually really helpful. I think if people want to understand more about um, the trans experience in the UK right now, from mm-hmm. someone who's like really eloquent and also really funny, she'll follow Sean Fay on mm-hmm. Instagram um, and her writing elsewhere. If you want to hear about another trans man experience of like starting their family in a very different way, but also in some similar ways, uh, a guy called Tristan Reese, based in the US on Instagram, is um, at Biff and I. He's he's like a huge inspiration to me, and he's just mm-hmm. an amazing LGBT educator and advocate all round. And yeah, like I would say, try and catch Seahorse, watch Seahorse somewhere if you can. If you go to theseahorsefilm dot com, um, that will have like all the information you need about where to find it. Hopefully, um, yeah, I think you can buy it on Vimeo, can't you? Yeah, I love looking like yeah. I am. And finally, 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 um, Freddie has an amazing podcast coming out soon-ish. Well, it's actually not coming out until March, so I don't know if it's... So um, not soon-ish, no. March-ish. <laughs> no. But look out, basically follow Freddie on Instagram and Twitter and mm. look out for what he's going to do next because I can guarantee you it's going to be Yeah, amazing. it's all about how queers have kids. Um, so if that's something that might be in your future, listen, because we hope this is going to be like really practical advice-based podcast as well as um interesting (laughs) yeah and and yeah so um, i'm on instagram at at freddie.mcconnell with it freddie with a y um if you want to follow up updates about that amazing freddie thank you so much thank you for coming on this podcast it's been amazing (laughs) but not long enough (laughs) it's it's really fun thank thank you That's it, guys. Another fierce episode full of bold body language. Thanks to our partners over at onthebeach.co.uk. I couldn't have done this podcast without them. They share our passion to celebrate stories of self-acceptance and embrace how we can all take ownership of our bodies. For more details and to book your next holiday, check out onthebeach.co.uk forward slash body language. Thank you for listening and shout out to On The Beach for being the game-changing holiday retailers this industry needs. And for all you listeners out there, I hope this made you feel like the sparkly starburst of a human that you are. But if it was difficult to listen to, please know that you're not alone. If you need help or advice, you'll find the relevant support links in this week's show notes. Hit the subscribe button. See you next week. And may the power of pants be with you.